Welcome. Welcome to episode number 34 of Unspoken Requests with Jared and Mike. I'm Jared. And I'm Mike. This is our number 15 in our 24-hour marathon show. <laughs> this is part seven in that, right? Eight. Part eight. Oh, boy. Yeah. Eight. Uh, we're going to try something we've never done before. We're going to try to talk to someone in another country. That's right, an international call. Let's see if it, let's see how this goes. <coughs> all right. Let's find out if it's I'm going to, to even work. to Tyler Damon in Amsterdam. Never done this before. We're dialing. It's ringing. We hey, got a ring. That's good that's a good sign. Hello. Hey, hey, it worked. It worked. Hello from America. Oh, America! I've heard of that. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler this, you can hear us, it, okay? It, yeah, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put on some headphones though, so I don't have to hold the phone. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. great. How long have you guys been awake? A long time. Uh, we've been up since eight thirty yesterday, and it's <laughs> eight thirty today. Yeah. So twenty four hours. Yeah. No, no, we've oh, been up since seven thirty. No, 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 no. Oh, we've no, been we're just up getting that started. Long. We've been on. For 15 hours. 15 hours. We, so we only have nine hours more to go. Oh, I see. Great. Uh, and yeah. Uh, and we're on the air, by the way, just it, so you know. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we just threw you right on. <laughs> it's all good. My, Everything's good. I just wanted to make sure you knew that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So, hey. is this What kind of broadcast is this? Internet? So, right now, it's being recorded. Uh, and it airs on WFHB every other Sunday night from 1 to 3 a.m., and then it's a podcast. Okay, so I'll watch my mouth. Yes, yes. thank you. Yeah, that's the only rule. Yes. <laughs> hey, okay. how's it going over there? You know, it's going really well. I'm in Amsterdam, so it's yeah. not such a bad place to be. Yeah. What are you up to over there? I am on tour right now. Um, this is the beginning of a third European tour this year with Circuit Ah, great. And... We are in Amsterdam for three days because we play in Utrecht tomorrow as part of the Le Guess Who Festival. Ah, very cool. And uh, we are, we've been rehearsing with a portion of the Netherlands Philharmonic Orchestra. I think it's like their chamber orchestra wow. portion. Wow, neat. Also cool. have a per- percussionist with us. Awesome. Yeah, so it's all the like the bass player, the cellist, the violinist, and the secondary percussionist or you know, I don't want to tear it like that, but the guy's not playing track kit like <laughs> yeah. me yeah. is, uh, they're all Dutch and part of that. So cool. Are they all English yeah. speakers or do you guys have to translate things? Oh yeah. Who's going to learn Dutch? Like no offense. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the Dutch language did not prevail like, uh, English did, I yeah. suppose. So yeah, they all speak English in short. <laughs> Tyler, the last time I saw you was uh, not long ago, right here in Bloomington. Yeah. That's right. I, I lived there for 12 years. Well, I just mean like <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah. When That's was that right. show? Uh, how long? It yeah, seems it was, like it was, it was a few not- jazz nights ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, so it would have been a Wednesday, and yeah. I was there, I believe, uh, it was like mid-October. Okay. So two or three weeks ago, yeah. three weeks ago-ish, so three and a half. You're hopping all over the place these days, huh? When I'm lucky enough to, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's and cool. It's, it's really great. It's like a, a change of pace as far as lifestyle goes, but um, it's hard to complain. 
there, when, you know, even like the whatever fatigue of travel sometimes happens, but it's overall, it's of course quite, quite an experience. Sure. Are there any acts you're excited to see at the festival? Well, I'm going to go see, well, Andrew Scott Young has been the bass player in Circuit Desia all year, but he could not do this tour because he's on tour with Riley Walker. Oh, okay. And coincidentally, they're playing the same festival, but today, so probably after I get off the phone with you, I might do some laundry, and then I will um, go see Riley's band. What time and is they're it actually there? doing like a collaborative set with the Japanese psychedelic uh, group cool. uh, Kikagaku Moya. Oh, I think you mentioned them to me. Maybe they played the U.S. Uh, quite a bit in the past year. I think I've kind of like we trail each other on tour, sort okay. of. They've been all over. Cool. That name's very familiar. Yeah, they're around. They're pretty cool. Yeah. So what? Uh, what? are your responsibilities at a festival like that? You said you just had a rehearsal and then are you just kind of like hanging out until showtime or what is there other stuff you have to do? And I don't know. I don't, I've never played a festival that size before. What, what, what's that like? Well, I saw the venue um, the other night for the first time because I went and saw the art ensemble of Chicago. Ironically, <laughs> I flew right. from Chicago <laughs> to see them in Amsterdam yeah. or in Utrecht. I mean, so, uh, I saw the venue, and it's really impressive. It's like part of this really large complex. And because I'm American, I think I can't, like, divorce the idea of um, escalators, or as I heard of them called here, uh, the roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do a Dutch accent, but yeah. a very kind old Dutch man was like, you know, over by the roller skate. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. But it's like uh, it's just this giant complex, and I've encountered a lot of these over here, and I'm always wondering, like, you know, how I get to play these yeah. places or whatever. Yeah. But they always have like all of these theaters and just different venues within one large complex that just is kind of like a large vertical structure. Huh. You know, it's like wow, there's another venue and another one, and how like big and maze-like in this place get i took asa to see ghost last week at the uh old national center in indianapolis and i, f I feel like the, that about that the metal band there. ghost yeah or the japanese band ghost? no the swedish uh satan worshiping heavy metal band okay <laughs> i shouldn't have even asked because i know that the japanese one would probably not be playing the old national <laughs> so anyway yeah. um oh, that's, that's great how did he like that oh he liked it they're his favorite band uh that, cool. And that's the second time we've seen them, actually. But in, second time and second time in that venue, and they were in a different... They were in, like, a theater room this time, and they were not the last time. So I, that, that's why I brought that up, because that building to me is like that, where I've seen three different shows there in three different spaces that all are... Is that the Murat? Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. That's the, like, old National Bank has the Right. Name, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think... I saw Sigurus in one of those larger rooms there, and then I, everything else I've seen is in that kind of clubbier room. Yeah. I saw Swans and Low in that basement down there. And Yeah, uh, I was at that as well. With, oh, yeah. Uh, Heath, Heath Byers and I went to that. Yeah, where uh, the power blew out during the like first two tunes of Swans set. 
It was really tense and wild. <laughs> oh, maybe I was at a different one, or I just like that set that I saw was two and a half hours long. Oh, I think. whoa, yeah. something quite indulgent. So I'm not sure if I. Maybe it was a different show I saw. We didn't stay for the whole Swan set, so that doesn't surprise me if it went on and I only saw a portion of it. That was sort of my last dance with them. I thought I found, like, as an audience member, I'm increasingly less inclined to care about uh, Michael Jira or yeah. Gira, Jira, Jira. I don't know, his, like, whole boogeyman. right. I'm, I'm like a scary man thing is just is pretty tired. I was there for low, so it was just a little bit like oh, I'm getting introduced to Swans, but uh, low is the one yeah. for me. Well, Swans were a great live band. I'll give them that, and I'll also say that uh, you know I've had my moments with them in the past. I'm not putting it down, but yeah. I also I've seen Low before as well in Bloomington, and they were really great. Oh, they're one of my favorites. I love them. Quite good. Yeah. So what uh, what lies ahead for you after the festival? Where are you headed? And what are you up to after that? We are going to Scandinavia. So I'll be, maybe Gothenburg is the first one. But we're playing like Malmo, Gothenburg, Stockholm. And we'll be in uh, Oslo of Norway too while we're up there. But I think that's it for Scandinavia. Like no Denmark this time. And I don't know, there's a Berlin date at some point. Um we're kind of bobbing all around, yeah. and let me let me pull it up here. But um, then at the end of the tour, I'm actually parting ways. Haley's doing some solo sets, like in Italy and maybe a couple other places. And I'm uh, I am going to Mainz, Germany, outside of Frankfurt. I'm playing like a quintet gig with um, the Meta Rasmussen Quintet. You know, I played with Meta before, but I don't know any of the other players. It's like a weird international sub gig yeah. i got wow which is nice <laughs> yeah totally what's the uh i mean you're you're total pro so maybe this is just a dumb question but what is the uh <laughs> no, no dumb questions mike you're what pro. is <laughs> well <laughs> semi-pro pro to pro <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what is the um sort of headspace shift for you like from going to playing things that are more improvised to stuff um, that is more like structured uh, I kind of feel like, for me as a musician, it feels quite nice to have a foot in both worlds. Yeah. Um, and one informs the other. So my feeling about um, about the headspace, I suppose, is that it doesn't really change a whole lot for me. I mean, there is like the security of playing the same or similar sets across... An entire tour, but of course, like all of this stuff is sort of a living entity or something. This yeah. is the music, I mean. So, and everybody is feeling differently every day. Um, so, I kind of look at improvisation as just being an extension of life because we're all improvising all the time. And then you get put in this situation where somebody puts an instrument in your hand and people act like they don't know how to do it right. anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, but and I understand that on some level. Um, but yeah, for me, there's not a whole lot of change that occurs. Uh, obviously the shift can, it can mean a lot in terms of vibe or something like that. But, um, I already expect that from improvisation sure. on some level. So it's, 
it's quite comfortable. Uh, I don't really feel like either practice is detracting from the other. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all good. Cool. Uh, let me ask you this in that case then. Uh, yeah. When I saw you guys as the trio on jazz night, uh, I was with, with David Rempus and Tashi. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, cool. Watching you guys, it was really like, I don't know the word, the best word. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to say magical or something, but it was like very, uh, obvious when you guys were sort of moving together and when you were feeling each other out and when you were like clicking like there'd be these either dynamic moments or sort of melodic things would happen or I don't know whatever so many different moving parts but how much I'll ask it this way have you ever improvised with someone for the first time ever and felt that sort of like Oh, we're moving together here. We're like birds in flight, or whatever. Uh, absolutely. Does that happen more often than not? I wish it did. It depends on who the player is. Yeah. Because it's just it's you can liken it to meeting someone and kind of feeling like whether or not you would like to continue <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, being <laughs> in this person's orbit, or like having a conversation with them, or being friends or something you know it's quite there's more well yeah i guess i should say it this way that it's kind of more like when it clicks that's such a fantastic feeling of course it's like wonderful my relationship with tashi was like that my relationship with dave with dave was like that as a duo in each regard so to put the two duos together for me uh, felt quite natural and there are times where maybe I'm not paying as close attention to Tashi or something like that and I'm kind of like going off of what Dave is doing and then maybe it'll coalesce and the three of us are syncing up together yeah something like that um, yeah I think that I, I know that yeah from moment one with Tashi it was like this is a thing I want to do for a long time cool and same with Dave, and I guess, like, you're not wrong about how you're experiencing that, um, like, that vibe or whatever. Yeah. But I will say that I think that there is something that just happens with improvisation that's not, it's not like a floundering moment or something like that. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. We're not sinking. It, it just kind of feels like um, it's nice to kind of sit in more of an atmosphere sometimes. Yeah. I, I learned this idea from um, like vicariously from Jim O'Rourke via Darren Gray. Yeah. Um, and Darren said that like, you know, you don't have to do uh, what your partner or partners in improvisation are doing. And I think that's like a, mistake people make early on they're like oh i have to listen very closely and this means like imitation ah, or something sure. like mm -hmm. that or some like rhythmic lock or uh, melodic or harmonic or textural or whatever like the color you're using i think that um there is a tendency especially early on in improvisation for people to try and just like mimic each other and that has its place but it's not 
it's not always the most interesting thing to yeah. do. So, um, yeah, I find I really like that space available to explore and, and just see kind of how it unfolds. I don't always feel like I'm taking the wheel so much or expecting anyone to. Yeah, right. It's kind of like more like being a conduit or something like that. I yeah, definitely think that there's... Sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, not at all. You've got the interesting things to say. I'm just fascinated oh, okay. by them. Uh, I okay. that's well, I, I just was going to say, I, I didn't mean to sound like I was diminishing the moments. I, I was more trying to just contrast the moments. I, I didn't ever feel like you guys were grasping for anything. But No, no, I didn't feel that you were implying. Okay, good, such. yeah. I just, I just mean, there, there are those like moments that like... Uh, where you're obviously moving together. What and whatever that means because it's not the same. How do you describe those moments because they're not the same as oh, we're playing in the same time signature and we're playing melodies that are complementary to each other and and you're keeping time. It's like it's way different than playing in sync, but you're obviously moving together. How do you describe those kind right. of like times? Well, I think I think it's weird because like we're clearly we're not playing tempos or whatever, no one's really counting anything right. off or anything like that, but there's clearly a momentum that exists in a pace. Um, I, and I think that it's really the result of cumulative work that we've all done individually. And then there, when you start playing together in a focused way, then you also have this trail behind you that is like the work that the three of you have done together or just maybe you and one of the other people or whatever. So that's like a language yeah. that you're developing. with. And I've been trying to kind of get away from describing it this way because I think it's a bit um, overplayed or whatever in talk about improvising or something like this idea of a conversation or something like that or saying like oh we're developing our own language we are and we aren't it's just kind of like you get to know someone it's like you know it's kind of like having a romantic partner or something yeah. and, you, and you kind of understand what they're uh what they're like after some time yeah that's what, what i was gonna ask you next like uh personal well, that's what i was gonna ask you next what what what's the what's the change between playing with someone like tashi where you're like oh right away this clicks it's great and then how does it evolve once you've been playing together for a while into how, how does it change? You know what I mean? How does it grow? Sure. Um, well, you never know how it's going to, of course. Well, I guess for you I, two guys, how has it? Right, right. Well, all I mean is that you can't know beforehand, but right, it right. happens. Uh, and I mean, I kind of feel... At first, Tashi and I were a bit heavy-handed, not in a totally like negative way or something, mm -hmm. but after a while, it seemed more clear how you can kind of finesse things, or it's just kind of, I don't have like a list or something. Yeah, maybe right, totally. In my subconscious, there's this idea of like moods or something, or I can kind of, I start to understand his palette uh, in that way. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, yeah, that's really just like refining uh, the, the understanding between the two or really just understanding the other person and people are in flux. So that's going to change. And I, yeah, I don't know. I bring different things on tour to kind of get away from habit and um, 
draw some new ideas out of me and not to get into like people have a tendency i think in free music to riff after yeah. a while because mm -hmm. it feels really safe it's like oh i remember you know i've been playing it this kind of thing for yeah. a year and people seem receptive to that so it's kind of like playing the hits or something right yeah <laughs> but it's not very like dangerous or i don't know if that's the right word there's you're not really taking much of a risk with uh with yourself or with the other players yeah. when you're not being open to um something new like you know allow yourself a chance to be surprised by what you're doing and, and don't fear the failure or whatever because it's never really a failure some some sets you're going to prefer aesthetically but it's really quite ephemeral to me the fact that recordings exist are totally driven by something else mm -hmm. it's not really about the music at all because it's not commercial music obviously it has a certain appeal to like a certain portion of listeners, but there is no, there's no sense of, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not commercial music. It's not made with capitalism in mind. Right. I don't think for most people. And I think that if you set out <laughs> with that mindset, <laughs> you'd be like terribly disappointed. Right. <laughs> like anybody I do sometimes, I won't well, name names or anything, but I've definitely encountered people in this world who are like, don't understand why they're not rock stars or something. It's like, cause you go and you make spittle sounds in a mouthpiece. Dude. <laughs> like, and it, and I'm not, I don't want to put that particular extended technique down, but you might have some understanding when it comes to why, like my mom is not going to buy that CD or download it or whatever and jam it in the car on the way right. to work. It's not going to happen. <laughs> like it's, uh, so that, I think that's, important to keep in mind that like you have to respect the audience in this certain way and trust that they will go with you if you're going to do that and if not like it doesn't really matter like tomorrow is another day you'll play again yeah just put like just put as much of yourself into it as you can or or none like aim aim to remove the self from the equation or something just kind of you know, have the experience buddha buddhist kind of idea yeah i love it yeah it's, it's a it's a helpful way to think about it or at least it has been for me tyler i gotta say as a as a fan and an acquaintance and a friend it's been really fun watching you uh evolve into this stuff um and have i mean i don't know how you would categorize it but from where i sit it looks like success and uh you're creating really cool stuff and it's inspiring, and it's really fun to watch. Just to be really candid for a minute. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, if, yeah. well, if I may be equally candid for a moment, I really appreciate you saying that, and uh, I'm I'm glad to when I hear that from people. I'm glad to be reaching people in that way because I've always said while I've been doing this kind of practice improvisation that if uh, if I felt like my relationship to the public with it was increasingly meaningless and it didn't feel like, I mean, I like this idea that I'm hopefully me and my 
colleagues or whatever in this situation are um, creating some sort of atmosphere or space that feels safe to people and that it feels like a place where they can kind of, um, I don't want to say escape because it's not about escapism, but more or less like creating a space that exists sort of outside of time for a moment or something yeah. like that. And you're not necessarily conscious of um, the like 24 hour political cycle, which right. is very important. <laughs> yeah. And relevant, and I think people, not not that it's 24 hours, but, you know, contemporary politics are very important, Contentri contemporary um, social issues and so on and so forth. So I feel that it's kind of my duty and obligation to the audience and everyone who made every step of, the, of this process come together whether it's booking or someone paying money for a ticket and making the effort to actually go and show up at the show on time and that everyone I'm playing with is doing the same and that everyone is working hard to make sure that it's the best it can be. And I only mean that qualitatively and I don't mean that hierarchically yeah. or something where it's like better or worse. I just mean like you're, you're submitting yourself to this and you're allowing to be or allowing space for this like i don't know this it's just a nice thing to happen that lets people free from those uh things for a moment i mean this guy's a problematic figure and i'm not i'm not like this isn't singing his praise but the the writer peter lamborn wilson or hakeem bay it's his sufi name he he wrote this book called the TAZ, which is the Temporary Autonomous Zone. Uh -huh. And I read that when I was young, and it's like sort of an anarchist understanding of like creating a space and uh, free from... Basically what I've been describing is like creating this temporary space wherever you are that is like about freedom yeah, or something like that. Well, that's something I was going to say kind of to what you were saying as a performer, I'm not an improviser, but I like going to a performance of improvised music or even just improvised performance otherwise, not even just music. But I feel like even just as an audience member who likes that experience, in the exact same way, you're creating space for... Some, you, you know, we've all agreed that this is the space. Not that anyone is even necessarily creating it. It's just like, okay, this is where we're all going to experience this thing we're gonna let you do it you're gonna let us watch it and and feel it and it, it, i i like that about improvised performance in that everyone is kind of in on it even the audience you have to suspend disbelief to an extent uh right so like yeah well bringing it full circle then because i'm sort of prone to tangents is that yes that effort that collective effort that's being made in order to make it all happen. Like the musicians are obviously like a catalyst for that thing. It, it's like the, the main event. Or yeah. Whatever. It's like the excuse for doing it. <laughs> right. So yeah. like the times I've seen artists like phone it in is so disappointing to me. It, it, I mean, it, it feels quite insulting. Yeah. There's like a very short list of things that I actually find offensive and I understand fatigue and things like that from traveling and all of that, but I really think that 
um, you should be self-aware to the point where you're you're bringing your best self to the to that event and that that is like the most important thing and if that started to feel um, like routine yeah or uh, no longer have that certain something that is feeling like that the magic like that word you used before yeah. mm-hmm. when that goes away i don't see any reason in making all of the sacrifice right, right. or whatever it's to yeah. ensure that it happens yeah so i would probably just stay home if i started to feel that way yeah that's cool man it's cool to be that self-aware i think and i don't mean well, self-conscious i mean, <laughs> I mean self-aware yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. well definitely i mean when you were yeah, everyone is making sacrifices in that chain. Yeah. And uh, the performers are, their loved ones are, and, uh, you know, for dealing with their absence yeah. while they're away and so on and so forth. So I really think that that needs to be respected. It's it's a way of respecting each other. And <laughs> It is, yeah. You know, no, feels, I agree with like you. A, that, it's yeah. kind of a sacred thing. Yeah, no, I agree. It's kind of a, it's a weird, like, elevated it's beyond like you were saying like friendship or language or whatever it's just like another way to express a respect to each other that i appreciate a lot a great deal i mean and you could say that for any kind of performance really whether it's improvised or otherwise but uh yeah i agree with you that there's sort of a sacred agreement there that i i love to feel (laughs) sure i was also going to bring up before that i don't know someone said this to me the other day or i read it somewhere but it was this, uh, who knows if it's even true, but it's like some story about Picasso and I guess some art dealer or collector or whatever sits down in the same restaurant and he recognizes Picasso and Picasso knows who he is too. And Picasso like scribbles something on a napkin and like asks the man for $16,000 for it or whatever it was, something absurd. And of course it was received as absurd Yeah, that sum of money and Picasso's response is like, well, this is the culmination of 40 years of work, so that's what it costs. Yeah. Like, this isn't, like, you think, you saw me do this in 15 seconds or whatever, but I don't think of it that way. I think of this as, like, the latest gesture in my 40-year body of work the or next whatever Maybe, And I think, I mean, that's all important. Here we are, you know, we're all... Your whole life has been leading up to this very moment. <laughs> I know. This is the, oh, great. This is where it was all headed to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Did Jared go to the bathroom or something? I haven't heard him. He's here. He is here. Jared is, um, we've kind of been trading back and forth. Who is the one that's uh, f- passing my away? Brain, my, brain, <laughs> my brain's kind of asleep right now. He's a mush man. Well, it, is, it is really funny, though, uh, how much I've confused you for each other in the past on the phone when I worked at Landlocked. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Dan used to I'm confuse sure us in Dan, real life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I don't know, you guys don't even have the same color hair, so I don't understand how that went down exactly. But, I yeah. love it. Uh, cool, man. Well, Tyler, thanks so much for talking to us, man. I know you're on the trip and everything, yeah. and it was nice of you to give us it. some of your time. Uh, yeah, I'm very glad to. I actually usually enjoy doing interviews and having conversations like this yeah but good. this is this has been a really nice one and i'm kind of sad that it's over oh well we can do it, definitely do it again sometime yeah, we'll do it again we do this dumb show yeah, every two weeks yeah. so, uh, <laughs> hey uh 
TylerDamon.com is where people can find about your at about your uh, performances and recent releases. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, I should cool. probably do a new post on there, but there's a lot. You know, there's more dedicated pages like discography and biography. You know, like a website about a person. Yeah, yeah. And there's <laughs> who makes music. Right. And then, uh, yeah, I, I have a Bandcamp too. That's the same. You know, you just put the Bandcamp in between. Uh, and I have records out there physically in shops you can go to, probably several of which are in your town right now. Yeah. So uh, those are, you can hear me experience, <laughs> yeah, the Tyler Damon experience <laughs> That's right. in any number of ways. Wow. Exactly. Well, hey, enjoy the festival. Enjoy Europe. Come home safe. Thanks so much. I, I'm doing all of those things. And, uh, yeah, thanks Thanks for talking with me. It's nice to hear from you guys. Yeah, man, likewise. Likewise. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, you too. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, cheers. Bye. Bye. What a guy. What a nice guy. What a great inspiration to us all. I do miss having him around town, but I'm glad to see him out there doing the Lord's work. It's really inspiring to me. Uh, should we play one of Tyler's songs, pieces? We got someone who's, oh, who's on the, the hotline. Already, who okay. Needs to, uh, <coughs> who's in a hurry. Who's in a hurry to get things done. Okay, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> hurry to get things done. Just like the Alabama song. Oh, it's song. ringing already. Hello. Hello, you're on the air with Jared and Mike on Unspoken Requests with oh, Jared no, and Mike. <laughs> You're doing fine so far. Oh, I, I am. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll have to change that. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, uh, we have Scott Hatch on the line. Hello. Hello, Hatch. Thanks for calling, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I feel uh, important by, you know, you inviting me. Has Jared, has Jared I, told you what we're doing here? No, no, no one's told me oh. anything. And, and you sound surprisingly wide awake. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. We are into uh, hour 15 of our 24-hour marathon recording session why are we no, doing this you ask you're not you're not calling it a telethon well we're not te- I guess we're on the radio we're on the radio right yeah so it's, it's, uh, it's early forgive forgive my ignorance it is some kind of thon yeah it's a thon <laughs> it's a thon uh i uh, i'm sorry to keep you waiting we uh no, our, our previous call on the line to amsterdam Ooh. was uh just too good we couldn't was couldn't uh stop it. yeah go Started a little later and went a little longer, but we're happy to talk to you now. Sorry to keep you waiting. Did I mention I'm in Kathmandu? What? I mean, I'm in Tokyo. Oh, it's, I forgot they're the same time zone as uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> that makes sense. I'm just trying to show up your previous guest. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, so what are you up to today, first of all? Well, so you gotta Saturday leave morning yeah. is a ritual. I get caught up on Burnt Toast Final Mail Order, uh-huh. um, and then I um, proceed to go to Fermentary Form in Philadelphia, where I'm a, a partner in a brewery. So Saturday, we are open Saturdays, and then we pop open one night a week, so Saturdays is kind of our, our big day. All right. What uh, Do you normally do uh, mail order like once a week? Well, I, I won't lie. Um, I don't get as much mail order as as I once 
did in the in the thick of things. So the the need to keep up on um, you know mail order every day uh, isn't quite um, as required. Like I might have one or two orders, and most people are okay. They're buying older titles, so you know if they wait a couple of days, it's it's, it's oh, fine. Yeah, sure. And and I get pretty busy during the week, so yeah. I, I guess maybe I'm a slacker, but you know, I, I, hopefully people are. Okay <laughs> I wouldn't with it say all. that. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, working working two jobs on a Saturday after yeah. you do your mail order, I wouldn't call that slacking. After working your regular <laughs> full time job during the week, yeah, yeah, right, right. You're the busiest exactly. man there's, in there's showbiz. Some, some people do do get a little anxious. They 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 get confused that they're ordering from Amazon, and you know, I, I try uh, I tried my best to be nice and and help them out when 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 needed. But yeah, some sometimes mistakes are made. <laughs> How many years has Burnt Toast Vinyl been in operation now? Uh, we started in 1996, so that would make us 22. Wow. Oh, that's great. Yeah, very cool. So, you know, every now and then I think about uh, retiring, but then I, you know, <laughs> hang out with people and I'm like, oh, this is really fun. I, I, I want to keep making records. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. What is it? What is it? What are the last few releases you've done? Uh, so we had two that came out like in September. Um, one was a band called Foxhole and they're from, I guess, Louisville area. Now they've scattered a bit like Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, one of the guys lives in Boston now. Um, and they, they're kind of influenced by that whole Louisville scene, like, uh, Flint, uh, definitely some June of 44 in there. Um, you know, kind of that angular math rocky kind of influence on their, their post rockness. Yeah. And then maybe a little tortoise vibe because, uh, Greg plays trumpet on some songs. Um, you know, so it's it, it's pretty good, and it was uh, one of the few records that we got a, a publicist to kind of help us out with. Um, so that was kind of kind of newish for me. Um, and I, I think you know some magazines uh, and blogs they they kind of liked it. So uh, you know that that makes me feel pretty good, and I think it gave those guys a, a chance to kind of uh, unleash their records that they've been working on for like uh, I want to say like twelve years. They were yeah, I was gonna say record. it's been a while since the last one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan, and I was you know excited to see them finally finish it and kind of help them out. And then we we did these like really sick um, letterpress covers, and then mm. um, my buddy Will and I we have a letterpress, and uh, I, I just throw myself in there to make me feel important. But you know, Will <laughs> does a lot of letterpress work, so he letterpressed some uh, inserts for those as well. Um, so they're 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 really nice packages. Yeah, I'm and looking then, at it. I'm looking and, at it now on then, Bandcamp. It looks great. Oh, awesome! Yeah, and then um, we did Joey Sweeney and the Neon Grease, and, and Joey is an old-time uh, Burtos vinyl guy. Um, I, I did two full-lengths with the Trouble with Sweeney and two EPs, you know, years ago, and he's he's sort of a music writer, um, local, uh, I guess, anti-hero, if you will. He's, he's a bit of a, a troublemaker because he, he he writes some sass in the, in the local papers. Um, okay. And anyhow, he, he's kind of kept with the music thing, and uh, this is his new band. And I'll go on record as saying um, I really hate saxophones. Um, in, in fact, <laughs> one, one of my favorite quotes is, I, I will not rest until all the saxophones in the world are, are destroyed. However... <laughs> Who said that? Every, is that yours? I said, I, I said that. That's, that's yours. A, that's oh, great. Put, I love you it. put that on a shirt, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, every, not rest every song on this record has saxophone, and it it's pretty good. Oh, it, it's wow, sort of okay. it's sort of like if you took an alt country record and you decided to have a party with it instead of uh, some sort of sad country jam, yeah. and uh, you know it, it was you know a good time. You're you're drinking and dancing, and it's a fun thing. Saxophone kind of you know brings out a little vibe. Um, 
Yeah, so that that's a another another record we had, and actually uh, the publicist for that is, uh, I guess Joey's um, wife's cousin, and so he became the um, publicist also for Foxhole. So that's kind of how oh, he got nice. hooked up. And yeah. yeah, that that guy's a great, hardworking guy. So we're we're, we're a hero of uh, Spencer Scanlon and uh, transmission publicity. Very cool. And uh, what you got? Anything you can talk about that's coming up? Um, nothing concrete, cool. but I've been talking extensively with Cliffy Huntington. Oh, okay. Okay. So we'll, we'll see where that leads. Uh, that, that, that perks me up. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious now. There are some Huntington haters out there in the world and I, you know, I don't, I don't get it. I, I find, uh, that, you know, modern Ramon style to be like just classic and, and unstoppable and a lot of fun. And yeah, I love it. And I've, I've known those guys for years, so. I do I not would, uh, know those guys, but I'm a part of anything they do. Yeah, I do not know those guys, but I'm a big fan. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, back back in the day when I was booking shows, uh, they were they were a bit of our house band, so we would have them play all the time, like uh, right as they were kind of starting. So cool. you know, we've known each other for years. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and you did the you did the LP version of High School Rock. Is that right? I did, I did, yeah, yeah. And then, <clears throat> right as I was coming out, I was uh, I was house sitting um, Cliffy's uh, cat while they were on tour. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a full service record label. That's good. Yeah, you're really doing the the hard work. Exactly. Hey, is there a song from the new Foxhole record that you especially like? Ooh, I'm terrible with songs. Let me. Uh, I, I gotta look at at the. Uh, there's like uh there's a song called Count Basie and his daughter's shoes that's yeah. cool. Okay, cool. If you want to want to blast that in the back. I don't know what are you guys doing? Are you playing music or not? Some, yeah. Music? I figure we have to take a break here pretty soon, so I figure once we let you go, I'll play that to like play us out. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no that, that that's pretty that's pretty cool song. Cool. Scott, are we going to see you around the holiday time here in Indiana? Oh yeah, we got to have breakfast summit. Um yeah. that that's an <laughs> annual requirement. Yeah. Um we we did it in Gas City last year, right? That's right. Better been Gas City. So Mike was a party there. town there. I was not there. Maybe I'm Mike hoping to be around this year. this year for it. I'll keep yeah, my you, fingers you, crossed. You've always had an excuse why you couldn't make it. Somehow you're in like Warsaw eating Penguin Point or whatever you're doing <laughs> up there. <laughs> uh, well, I'm pulled. You know, I'm pulled in many directions. Uh, you know, the, the, that, you know, whatever, the Wally Burger is very compelling, right? The big Wally, yeah. The big Wally, Big Wally, yeah. That's where it's at. Not for me. <laughs> Jared does not care for it. You know, I, I I won't lie. I haven't had one in a long time, so I'm not sure if it holds up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. They have a super Wally too, which is something a to super, consider. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I do remember getting turnovers there in the Kringle Cup French. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's all good stuff. You know, the Culvers in town just opened <laughs> up this week, Scott. We have a Culvers here in Bloomington now. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was a long time. Every time I would come um, home for uh, Christmas time, I would demand to go to Steak and Shake. Um, however, I have started leaning towards Culver's yeah, because I'm the same way. The burger might be as good, and then you get that you know freaking custard, which is delicious. <laughs> yeah, and the cheese curds. Oh, I haven't. I haven't gone full fat guy and gotten the cheese curds. Oh, that's <laughs> I went. I went full fat guy last time and had a double cheeseburger and. <laughs> cheese curds and it was all very good oh my god it was too much i it was too much i was not expecting the burger to be as big as it was so uh 
I, that was a mistake. I, I made a mistake in ordering all that food, but that is what I ordered. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is impressive. I, I love I love how we're just making apps for them. But man, it, it is it is legitimately good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, we do have to take a break. Okay, you're kicking me off. Okay, we're, we're giving you the boot. <laughs> you got work to all do. Right, you well, got you got like five breweries to run. Let me plug everything. Now uh, we got to go drinking. Uh, good luck staying up, and, and thanks for playing the song. Yeah, thanks, Scott, and hopefully we'll see you real soon. Thanks, Scott. You're the best. Talk to you soon. All right. Uh, okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, here's Foxhole with Count Basie and his daughter's shoes. Spoken requests with Jared and Mike. That was a close call. I almost didn't. I was stretching, and I almost didn't <laughs> make it to the to the mixer. Uh, well, we're back. What did we just hear, Mike? We just heard "For Your Love" by Richard Swift from the Cause and Effect. Richard Swift, Tall Tall Trees, Split Seven Inch. For that, we heard Neil Young with Transformer Man. For that, we heard Colleen with. I'm, I don't know. It looks French to me. Before that, we heard Belong. We have someone on the hotline. We do. We're packed with calls this time Just around. About. I love it. You're making the call now? Uh, Mike, say something while I write a text. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, if you're just tuning in, this is our 16 of our 24-hour marathon recording session. This is episode 34, officially, of Unspoken Requests overall. It's episode 8 in the series, in the 24-hour madness series. We should name this, Jared. I didn't even think of that until just now. But we should name this yeah. some kind of catchy... We should name it and claim it. Episode 8 in the... Um, in the and the these boys go insane show. 
Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. The sun is really shining through the window. We got all the blinds open. I'm thinking about lighting some incense in a minute if it won't choke us to death. Kind of get the pizza and uh, butt odor out of the room. <laughs> or at least cover it up. Uh, but yeah, episode 34, 16 hours in. That still leaves a lot of hours to go. But um, feeling good. Nonetheless. How are your... <sighs> Okay, you're feeling all right. How are your finances? Have you checked your your bank st- statements? I mean, that's why I'm doing this. If I didn't need the money, I wouldn't be doing a 24-hour m- madness recording session. Fair enough. Uh, well, I've arranged for a uh, financial consultant, financial oh. financial guru to uh, talk Jimmy, to us on the line. Uh, you know, a couple episodes ago, Jimmy was talking about Dave Ramsey. So oh, this sure. Is like our personal Dave Ramsey. Exactly. I, you know, I've... I've been listening to the Dave Ramsey show recently. I find it very interesting. I mean, lots of people give that guy their money in order for him to tell them how to use their money. I think this guy's even better, though, that we got on the line. Hello? Hello, is this financial guru Greg Gethard? This is indeed financial guru Greg Gethard, with whom am I speaking Welcome to Unspoken Requests with Jared and Mike. I'm Jared. And I'm Mike. Is this Mike... Adams at his honest weight. That's right. Hi, Greg. Hello there. Hello. Um, can I? It's too early for me to do in character. Can I just be myself? <laughs> yes, of yes, course. Yes, yeah. you I, was, I actually. That's so funny. I meant to ask Jared. We. This has been madness. What we're doing here is so stupid. But uh, I meant to ask Jared if you were going to call in character or if we were just talking to Greg. And uh, I forgot to ask. So I'm glad that that's cleared up now. Yeah. No. No. It's. Um, I would normally I would normally like to do this in character, but I literally woke up six minutes ago. To oh talk to you no! Guys. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I'll be going back to sleep. I'll be going back to sleep later on. And everything. Oh, but, okay. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm like. Uh, just wait. I'm just waking up, and I also just discovered. Um, I'm not uh, feeling too well. I don't know if I'm going to gross out your listeners or or not too much, but um, go for it. Um, well, it's not too gross to mention that I have Crohn's disease. Oh sure. Which mm-hmm. is. Which is not gross, but what is gross is one of the ailments with it that I don't think a lot of people know until you have it is horrific um, mouth sores. Oh. So that's the gross thing. So um, having those, and I just realized when I'm trying to do it in my voice of my character, hurts that. Yeah, <laughs> no. we don't want that. Yeah, don't, no. no pain. No, necessary. no, no. No, no pain, to- no gain, but I don't <laughs> feel right. like gaining. Well, it's nice to talk to to the real Greg. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you guys. It's been too long. It has. Yeah. How's everything been going? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, nothing. Um, it's it's good. You know, just living life. You know, um, here in Philadelphia, enjoying the the nice fall weather finally. Yeah. And um, that's about that. How's Bloomington? It's all right. It just snowed here last night. Uh, I heard. I heard it snowed in, in the Midwest. And. Uh, we saw it. It was, uh, we, you know, we've been up all night, so uh, we saw the snowfall outside the studio window here. Did it, it stick? A yeah, little bit. It's kind of still out there, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, man. Ugh. The other new thing, uh, new thing in Bloomington is uh, the uh, owner of the Sahara Mart, a uh, kind of a <laughs> international foods emporium uh, okay. known for selling things past their expiration date. Uh, the Lovely. owner... Uh, has been 
Uh, what has he been? Has he been indicted? Has he been I don't charged? Know. Has I don't anything? know where that's at. There's a $1.5 million in back taxes that have not been paid because this is my secondhand uh, information I've received from the, the article that my friends t- told me about, that he uh, treated all of his employees for the last 20, 30, who knows, years as, as volunteers and paid them cash under the table and uh, did not do any of the proper... Uh, the tax filing of yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah. that's what's going on there also we got a culver's you, are you familiar with culver's <laughs> oh my god culver's <laughs> yeah no i don't know what culver's is it's a regional fast food chain uh, uh oh. based in what uh, wisconsin wisconsin they're famous for butter burgers and frozen custard and cheese you know what? I, am cheese curds. I am familiar i am familiar i am familiar okay because um did we go to one because i actually a few Summers ago, our vacation, our vacation was in Wisconsin. A few oh, summers nice. ago. Okay. <laughs> um, no, because we're trying. My wife and I are trying to go to every baseball stadium. Oh, so cool. we went to um, Detroit, and then um, uh, we went up. We didn't go through Indiana. We went up uh, through the UP, mm-hmm. and um, and then down through Wisconsin, and uh, we stayed in Milwaukee which is like my favorite city I've ever been to other than where I live. And I had a butter burger and I had, I don't know if it was there though. It was, it was really good. And one of my favorite moments of my life, um, like, like this is like such a good missed opportunity for comedy. I'm glad I didn't do it because I am an adult now, but, uh, (laughs) on the way, on the way, like from we're, we're like going over the UP and on the way back, um, we, we, you know, we, didn't have it was too long to get to Milwaukee from where we were, so we stayed in Green Bay, and we did a tour of uh, Lambeau Field, home of the Green Bay Packers. And, oh yeah, okay. Right, and it's like I don't like I like I don't really like follow football too much anymore, and my wife hates football, but I'm like it's Lambeau Field. It's like one of the you know like great sporting landmarks in America. Like I gotta go see that. So we did this big Lambeau Field tour, and it was the same day of. Um, the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage. Oh, yeah. Right. So I wanted to, like, because, like, the tour guide was like, if anyone has any questions along the way, feel free to ask them. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to ask them, like, hey, what's everyone feel about gay marriage? Pretty great, right? <laughs> and then um, they also had, um, they also were saying, like, they had, like, some pavilion where they have weddings, like, all the time. And I wanted to ask, them, like, are you going to have legal... Um, Gay weddings, or um, is that not cool with you yet? Like, I just want to push, <laughs> yeah. push the button, push the Doma button on a tour free Lambeau Field. Yeah. But I was uh, uh, as soon as uh, my wife knew what I was going wanted to do, <laughs> and immediately told me, "Absolutely, you're absolutely not doing this." So, Greg, I feel like that you telling that story uh, is a good excuse for me to bring this up. But I borrowed your brother's new book from the library. Oh, and awesome. I jumped after your Facebook post, I believe. I jumped straight to the Gregulation uh, yeah, chapter and read that story <laughs> as quick as I could, and it, it, I loved it. It, it was so fun to read about someone I knew in a right. book, and and the story is also just nuts. I loved it. Uh, can I ask you about that night? Absolutely, and I just performed at that same venue last week for the first time since that incident. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Same. Uh, same. Same management. Same staff. Or uh... no. 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 Okay. It's, it's the turn. There's been a turnover there of about like I don't even know how many people. 
Oh, but now sure. a, a friend of mine is the manager, and he asked me to do that show. Oh, cool. So um, he, he asked me to do a show there, and I'm like, oh, all right. It's funnier if I tell people I'm not allowed to perform there, but yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's been a while anyways, and I'm, I could use the show. Yeah, so. yeah, you weren't allowed to perform there for a long time, and now you're back. That works, I am too. Back. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. I don't know the best way to do this because I don't just want to like retell the story. Your brother tells it very well in the book, uh, but I would maybe like to hear your point of view on it. All right. So um, when I when I was it was like a lot pretty early in like my comedy dabblings. Maybe not like I was actually been doing it for a while, so it wasn't like that. I wasn't like doing it for like a week. I was probably doing comedy for like two or three years at that point. Uh huh. And my act was, um, I performed as the regulator and my act was just kind of like, like my character was like delusional and maniacal is how I would describe my stand up act. Okay. <laughs> and I, I used to start my set, um, it was like LeBron, um, used to begin his show by throwing, he used to begin before games, uh, put talcum powder in his hand, oh, yeah, like, throw yeah. it up in there. So I used to do that for my stand-up set. <laughs> like, I put all this baby powder in my hand <laughs> and throw it high in the air. And yeah. I do it at, I wouldn't just do it at, like, I do it at, like, crummy open mics in front of, like, three people. <laughs> or I do it everywhere. I do it at, like, these dumb, like, I do it at, like, suburban bar shows. I do, you know, like, anywhere I did it. And it was, like, it became, like, you know, like, I got really, it was fairly it got back to me. It was pretty polarizing. The people in comedy who the people in comedy I like, like who I'm still friends with, thought it was like really liked it a lot, and were encouraging me. And the people who like don't get me or are also people I don't like like as people like hated it. So I don't care one way or the other, right? Yeah. But yeah. I would do it I would do it at like open mic and then, you know, most of the shows I performed at were like for kind of more like hipster kind of then crowds and stuff like that. And people like that would like liked it. But I would do it a lot like every now and then I'd get booked at a suburban show. Like you know, which is like in front of like people like your aunt and uncle in yeah. you know, Malvern, Pennsylvania or whatever. And I would do it there. Um just I um I I rarely get booked at those places because like I'm considered too weird for you know like a crowd like that and but I do it there and I would get the best reactions like out of anyone there they were like what even is this so um so yeah I've been doing that act for like a year maybe at least and I had like catchphrase it was like crazy it was just really crazy and um. So I did it at um, the big stand-up club in town um, called Helium, and Helium—it's um, a comedy. It's you know, it's like your comedy club that you have in any city. Yeah. And they have every year a contest, the Philly's Funniest Contest, which I am um, opposed to the Philly's Funniest Contest on moral grounds. Sure. Being that. Um, it's like there. It serves a purpose. I did it. I did it like once or twice before this, and it serves a purpose in that like it's a good way for uh, they get a lot of what it is is you're a comic and you pay twenty dollars or twenty five dollars to enter it, and then how you get how you move on to the contest is how many votes you get at the show. 
So you're encouraged to bring people and you have free tickets. So you just get like a lot of people just bringing their bringing friends and family. Right. And then their friends and family have to buy two drinks or, you know, get two yeah. items off the menu or whatever. So it's it it serves a purpose in that you can actually perform in front of a lot of people if you're a comic, which is harder to do than it sounds. Or it's as you guys know, being involved in music, it's actually very hard to perform in front of a lot of people. Yeah, totally. So, um, and then it just kind of like when I was in it, and like everyone like talks uh, talks junk on each other when when it's going on. Everyone gets really weird. There's all these. Um, it's just like I, I wouldn't pay to do a show just because there's a word contest with it. Like all of a sudden I'm gonna pay to do a show. Like no, I'm not. You know, and then I don't know if they have in music, but they in comedy there's the bringer show, which is like you oh, can't sure. perform a list. I'm like I would never do a bringer show. This is all it is, is is all that, and um, and then you also get a lot of these people who just show up who are. Like, like, they're like, it's like, uh, oh man, we gotta go see, we gotta go see, um, we, we gotta go see Jake from accounting. He is so funny. He's doing this stand-up contest. So you, you get people like who are never, who have never done comedy, who think that they, 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 they can do comedy, who come out and bring like eight people from work. Right. So it's, it's just the lamest thing. And so I went with the intent of, I'm, I just want to wreak havoc at this thing. <laughs> Like, so I I started my set. I did my baby powder bit, and um, I'm like, I put baby powder in my hand, and then um, I'm like, you are witnesses, which is LeBron's Nike <laughs> ad at the time, and there's baby powder all over the air, and it, it started like circulating from like the like the air conditioning system, yeah, and it's circulating like all over the place. <laughs> It was in, like, people's, like, hair and, like, people, like, had to refund drinks and, and food and comedy clubs do not like that. Sure. And then to make it to the next, like, another level is I made all these, um, I printed up a couple shirts with my face on it. And um, I had two of my friends come up on stage with me. And one, um, I built this slingshot with a funnel um, that I got at the hardware store. And like, I drilled a hole in it, in each side, and I had bungee cords. And it, it was the worst-looking thing. It was so bad-looking. And um, I had my two friends came up with on stage with me, and like they held each side out. And like I was like, "All right, everyone, make some noise. Do you want a T-shirt?" Like like I was at like a baseball game yeah. because I had, like an NBA game. Oh, I can't see those hands. Put those hands in the air. And um, people were like like in the first row like the first two tables like got up and left and i just started firing t-shirts at people <laughs> i fired like three or four t-shirts at people and they're like hitting the table and like bouncing off food and stuff like that like they were firing <laughs> at people too and uh uh then after the set ended um there was just like after the set ended the host was um like they were just like you have to clean up you have to clean up so they gave me like a bunch of paper towels and I was like down there cleaning up and people were like yelling stuff at me, cursing at me and everything. Like you like you like it was and then um and then I went back to the um green room and the MC is a guy who won the year before who was a really good friend of mine, my friend Kent, and I'm like, Hey Kent, how did how'd it go? Like like, cause every you know, like 
it, it I seemed like people were into it, and he's like, I can't talk to you. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, just thinking he was busy, and then he's like, and he's and he's like, I'm, and he's like, they're, I can't talk to you because they're really mad at you. You're like, you're like not allowed to perform here anymore. <laughs> Like they had to refund all these drinks and food because of you, <laughs> so like, like you can't perform here anymore. So I was like, like it, my first reaction was like, I'm really bummed from that, and then my second reaction was like, no, like this is what the intent was was for me to create a scene, and I did that. So I'm happy with my effort. <laughs> How long ago was this? Oh, it was like ten years ago, probably. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I hadn't performed there in 10 years until last week. Yeah, wow. And um, I did um, um, the Financial Guru Act as part of, um, they have uh, a Halloween show where it's all people who do characters. And I did that, and in my return to f- return there, I brought with me uh, uh, something I call the Sword of Financial Discipline. <laughs> Which um, I don't think I was using yet when when you guys were in town. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> and it's, uh, I bought a sword off of Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then uh, I brought. Wait, wait, I what kind some, of sword are we talking? What's what's like it made a, of? Like a sword, like a sword, like, like an actual, like a sword you buy at one of those sword stores at the mall, like a Braveheart sword. <laughs> uh, um, it's like got like Japanese etching on it. Oh, okay, oh, okay. gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a samurai, but it's a legitimate sword. Okay, like, okay. It's a, like and, it, like um, you could do like you could harm somebody. <laughs> oh my god! In the wrong wait, hands. I'll tell you one. Yeah, I'll tell you one second with okay, that. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I brought um. So what I do with this sort of financial discipline is um, I I got a watermelon and I re- say this is like in the middle of the act like this represents your debt now by coming to one of my exciting eight week financial education so so exciting eight week financial education seminars your debt's gonna be sliced in half so I cut the watermelon with the sword and I start like throwing watermelon around the venue now <laughs> <laughs> and talk about like who, who wants the sweet nectar of debt consolidation. <laughs> the stickiest <laughs> of all the melons. With what? It's the stickiest of all the melons. It, yes. 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 So I, um, I, uh, yeah, I did, I did, uh, that's what I did in my return to helium. So I was very excited. <laughs> that but, sounds great. So the the debut of the sword is what is where I learned an important comedy lesson is I did a show in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is like like uh, an hour hour and a half north of here, and it's the first time I was ever like booked to do a show where like they gave me a hotel room and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually like got like had to fill out like tax paperwork for a show for the first time ever. <laughs> where like, where I'm was like, the wow. where, where was the venue? It's this place called um, Skill Stacks. It's like the coolest venue I've ever been to. It's awesome. Um, Bethlehem. It's in a part of the state called the Lehigh Valley. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Philly suburb, and it's kind of an it's like. It's like not. It's like uh, like I don't know. It's not really a suburb. It's a little too far. But you get a lot of people from Philly, and you get a lot of New Yorkers from there, and they all kind of kind of combine. And there's a lot of good punk bands and indie stuff like kind of pops out from there here and there. So Bethlehem is if you're familiar with the song Allentown by Billy Joel. Sure. 
Um, that's one of the three big towns in the Lehigh Valley is Allentown. But the the song, the steel mill, is actually was called Bethlehem Steel. So that was in Bethlehem. At, Jimmy, uh, Billy Joel just picked Allentown because it had better rhyming opportunities. <laughs> and it so, wouldn't be confused with the birthplace of uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, exactly, exactly. He did not want to be confused uh, his <laughs> tale of industrial yeah. <laughs> hardships. <laughs> so they had this big, like in Bethlehem, um, this big giant steel plant that went out of business. And they turned, like, a big part of it is now, like, this really slimy casino. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is um, this um, arts venue that they made out of the steel mill. So it's, like, they have, like, a big um, uh, outdoor, like, they have, like, a big outdoor kind of... Um, amphitheater kind of thing where you could see like i guess like counting crows type bands would be there and then they have an indoor venue where um the first floor has like a four screen um movie theater where you could see like shape of water you know like whatever like the big indie oscar fair yeah and like a beast like a some kind of bistro and a couple other things like that and then the top floor is a venue and they have like a lot of comedy or they'll have bands play there and it's like 600 seats and then in the in the middle floor it's for it's like just kind of like looks like a hotel ballroom and they put chairs there like however many people they think are going to be there for a show and um so they threw like 50 chairs for me mm-hmm. and i had my show there and it was awesome and it was the debut of the sort of financial discipline <laughs> And um, I, I had my friend was on stage with me as my intern, and then I do the thing like, like I, I show the sort of financial discipline in action and cut the watermelon. And they're like, does anyone in the crowd want to um, slice their debt? And you know, it's, people raise their hand. They point at some guy. He comes running up. And I hand him this sword, and as soon as I let the give him the weapon, and he has it in his hands, I'm like, I've just handed this off to a murderer. <laughs> like. Like this guy has the eyes of this guy is off. Like like this guy is like <laughs> could kill people. Like yeah. I am so it was like I've never like what was I thinking? And like I made contact eye contact with my friend, like, let's try and find an escape route. <laughs> like we were like I'm, like looking for exits because this guy starts swinging this sword around like a maniac. And like over his head and stuff like that. And um oh. there was um I had a watermelon on a chair. And he cut the watermelon and then started beating the crap out of the chair. Oh, whoa. Like, like, and it was like he, like, almost destroyed the chair. Oh, no. <laughs> and then he just, like, threw the sword down, like, went back into the crowd like nothing happened. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, I learned not to use give the sword to a crowd member. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, you maintain control of a crowd when you have a sword, too. Right, right, right. <laughs> they don't teach you that at, uh... Second City or any of these schools. No, they that's don't. Stuff you gotta they learn don't. on they, the road. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, to learn. You, you can only learn that by being a road dog like me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, hard traveler of the road. The way I the the um. Now, are you guys are you guys hitting the road anytime soon again? No plans, but there's a new record coming out in a few months, and probably after that, we'll hit the road. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. I like it. I like it. I assume. I hope Philly's going to be a stop for you guys again. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Philly's a, Philly's good to us. Good, good, good. Well, Philly, you, when you guys left, everyone was talking about Philly. Everyone was talking about Mike Adams and his honest weight. Uh. Flannel graph record. You can't. The buzz is still palpable throughout town. You could cut the buzz in the air with a financial yeah. sword. Yes, I don't think it was. Could. Yes, you just you can feel it. You can just still feel it. Any wherever you wherever you go. How's um How's Indiana doing with the um launch of college basketball season? Oh, I didn't. Know. Yeah, we 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 steer <laughs> clear. Week, yeah. We steer clear. Yeah, I know. We're on the that up, happened this week. We're on the other side of town. So when the games in you know our town is a Big Ten town. So uh, right. when the games happen, we stick to my place, which is away from that. I stuff. do know one of the former uh, IU Hoosier basketball players is the one who opened up the Culvers I mentioned. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah. I, I forget his name. I think he's an older fella. But, yeah. Wow. Wow. So I got to go to – everyone swears Bloomington's like the coolest oh, it's wonderful. little city. Yeah. You'd love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a good comedy club here that I'm sure could there use is. a uh, eight week seminar uh, over over three days. <laughs> Can you guys book me for eight weeks? <laughs> we know the owner. We'll talk to him. Yeah, I would. I would love. I would. I would love to do a show at, like anywhere. Like I haven't um, um, been performing in. I, I've haven't been performing that much, and it's actually gonna probably be taking a break for a while because uh i will be having a new second career on top of my regular one and starting as a professor whoa next semester cool yeah, yes in communication writing like oh, professional writing and that's things great like that. man. cool Congratulations. yeah yeah so but um you know i can't it, it's gonna be a little hard to do that and promote fund permit i did theater <laughs> per- I had to feed my dog. Yeah, sure. but um, I thought um, you were talking to someone else about your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my wife. Yeah, I fed my wife. You know, yeah. Greg, I think you're thinking about this the wrong way. I think uh, being a professor is not an end to performing; it's the beginning of performing every day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can do anything they, you want yeah. there. The audience is there. They're yeah, I have a captive audience. Yeah. I absolutely do have a captive audience. <laughs> Like seven, I think my class is gonna be seven people, and uh, oh, nice, yeah, and then um, oh, and then um, the other another funny thing, if you guys want to hear about it, is yes. I'm taking uh, this couple this time of year, I've been taking an acting class, oh, to get better at performing, yeah, and it's very, very um entertaining and weird <laughs> and I ended up I was trying out different um, acting teachers um, like they let you kind of sit in on one until you see like one who's a good fit mm-hmm. so I, I went to one which is a guy by he was by um, his class is offered by my house so um, I'm like alright like it's at least by my house like it wouldn't be that hard to get to and I met, I go to this guy's, it was on Labor Day, and I got a text from him, like, I'm just seeing if you're still coming to the class. And I text him back, I'm like, oh, I forgot it was Labor Day when I signed up. Like, I don't think I can make tonight, maybe tomorrow. So he texted me back, and it was like, and he texted me back, and was like, well, keep in mind, I'm not just seeing if you're, like, it's not just for you to see if you, if I'm a good fit for you. It's also for you to see if you're a good fit for me. 
Like, and I'm just like, I didn't, I, like, it was like right out of that show, Barry. Yeah. Yeah, and right. I hadn't I, 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 I had watched Barry yet, and I was just like, and I'm like, oh, man, like, this guy is like, wants to see if I'm a good fit for him. Like, this, this sounds great. So I went to this class, and um, it was in an outlying neighborhood of the city, and it was in the back of a co-working space. Yeah. Uh-huh. So there were, like, people in cubicles. <laughs> And we go to the back, like the break area, and there's like 10 people or like 10, 15 people. And everyone's like, um, you know, uh, the guy who's leading it, his name is Bernard. And Bernard just starts talking about, um, uh, he's like, yo, I'm sorry I wasn't here for the past two weeks. For those of you who don't know where I was, I was in the middle of a. 17-day spiritual journey with some of the finest spiritual masters of this century in British Columbia. Whoa! And yeah, and then he and then he's uh he's like um you know my acting class. I think it's always been a lot more than you'll all agree. It's a lot more than just about acting. It's about life. So expect a lot more life lessons because I've learned so much more about me and the universe from this. 17-day event I went to. <laughs> so um, He's like he stealing your bit, man. I know, I know. It was like so weird. And then um, and then he, um, we had to go around the room and, and say like if we were new, like why we wanted to act. So I was just like, well, you know, like, I'm a comedian. I do stand-up and I do like kind of characters. I just want to get like learn a little bit more about acting, develop my act more. And he's like, you do stand up? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, check this out, man. This is gonna blow your mind, bro. This is gonna blow your mind. <laughs> at this, at the 17 day spiritual retreat I was at, at the end we had to do something outside of our comfort zone, and all these people the entire time were like, Bernard, Bernard, you gotta, you gotta act. Like, you gotta do comedy, man. You're so funny. You gotta do comedy. So I did comedy. I did stand up for the first time, and I just roasted everyone. I was just like roasting people, like bam. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went around the room, and I killed it, man. I killed it. I was yeah. like, I got like the biggest reaction out of everyone there. I'm like, oh no, that's great. Thank you for telling me that. You know, like you had a reaction doing this the first time, and you know, I'm like just kind of getting good now. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it was, I I'm glad I signed up for the right class, man. Like, uh, <laughs> sounds it. Learning from and, the master. Um, yeah. So he was great. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah, yes. And um, he also asked us in class, uh, are you guys familiar? He's like, you guys familiar with a guy named Vincent Price? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, and then and then someone was like, like the horror guy? He's like, oh yeah, no, not that Vincent Price. Um, Vincent Price, the guy who played Noah on 90210. <laughs> And um, I like I was familiar with no I'm familiar with that show, so I was like yeah 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 he's like well um, check this out you know he's um he's from Philly and he's been he's a friend a supporter of mine for years now and he just made this um uh, short film that I'm in and it just won this major industry award major industry award so he, he um. <laughs> was like talking, strutting his peacock feathers with yeah. uh, an award from uh, a short film starring the guy who played uh, um, 
the uh, replacement for Dylan on uh, 90210 <laughs> like 15 years ago. It was like his big bragging point that week. Whose name is Vincent Price? His name is, his Vincent name is also is it, Vincent Price. Is it spelled? Yeah. Is it actually his name, and it, and it's spelled that way yes. too? Wow. That is his name. Is his name is actually Vincent Price. <laughs> and he was like, uh, he was like on a couple soap operas on top oh, of nine oh two one zero and everything. So I was like, I, I was, just, I can't believe I'm watching this guy. Yeah, like this is, yeah. this is, and it listed his um big credentials on the. Uh, back, my friend who's plugged into acting classes, it's like, I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm taking, I'm gonna take this class with this guy at Chestnut Hill, and she's like, who is this guy? And I showed it, told him, and she, I've never heard of him, what are his credentials? So I looked at his credentials, and his biggest credential is he read the names at the co- graduation ceremony of St. Joseph's University. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah, he was great. He, I was like, regretting not taking him. I was yeah. really regretting not taking him. But there's just like a point in my life like it wasn't that long ago when I would just take his class. Yeah. But um then I'm just like, you know what? Like I believe it like if I want to get like if I want to be entertained by this guy, that's one thing. But yeah. if I actually want to get better at like what I do, <laughs> Then I should probably look somewhere else. Yeah. And then I, I found one that was actually at an actual theater, and it's cheaper. So I'm like, uh, I gotta go the, I gotta go to the one that's cheaper. <laughs> but this guy was great. If next, if you guys want to come and sit in on his class, I'm sure we can arrange. Oh, it. okay, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> we'll get a shuttle bus going. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely come up and uh, Bernard at the Philadelphia Acting Studio. All right, we'll do it. Yeah. So what else? What else you got going on today, Greg? Uh, today, the plan is um, I'm in a bocce ball league. Okay. And the season ended, so we're having the big uh, annual. Um, we have it twice a year. There's a spring and a fall season. It and every year there's a big party somewhere. So we're going to that, and then um, I have a. Uh, friends party i might go to later on tonight we'll see about that and tomorrow i'm going to see a band play tomorrow which i'm very um excited to go see is i'm going to go see the band hansen oh nice yeah they played at our state fair this year did you go i didn't go we had some friends that went they are featured on the new mike love christmas album really (laughs) yeah wow (laughs) will you cover them or something no, no, Mike Love from the Beach Boys. Oh, Mike Love from the Beach Boys. Oh, oh, wow. I thought you meant like Mike. Adams. No, <laughs> like, not Mike oh, Love, but it's not a. I'm not that lucky. Oh, wow, that's funny. Yeah, I'm actually like not ashamed to say that I like actually like that. Like I like their music. Like I checked it out like later on, and like they play their own music. And if a bunch of grizzled old men make it, made it, power pop nerds would love it. Yeah. Right. So, and they're playing with um, this big symphonic orchestra. There's oh. like they're they're touring with like a forty piece symphony. Wow. Yeah, and you... it's I don't know what the heck it's gonna sound like or or anything, but it's really it looks like really interesting and definitely strange. Yeah, I th- I think I would take that in. Yeah, and it's at a venue in town. 
that I have never been to, but it's been here since like the 1930s. I've never seen a show at this place somehow, and it's like, it's where they have, um, it's like Elvis Costello plays there when he's in town a lot for whatever reason. I've never, I don't know how I've never seen either Elvis Costello or a show there. NXT was there one time, and I just couldn't make NXT taping there. So I'm excited for that, but this show's going to be really strange, and I don't know what this crowd's going to be like. Yeah. I think I'm picking a good show to go to. I think so, too. I I saw the Weird Al's doing an orchestral tour next year, and I think I might take my son. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That would be be an event. A full symphony orchestra with Weird Al. Last year I saw Carly Rae Jepsen with a full symphony orchestra. That was a good show. I, I don't know who she is. Oh, she's, she's I don't a, either. She's a I guess pop singer, I guess you'd say. I think is she, she like a D- Disney Channel like alum or something uh, like that. No. Uh you should check her out. I think she's great. Okay. Yeah. Take your take your word for it. I'll check her out. All right. I'm sure is she someone like I've heard her music at like at like uh checking out at a TJ Maxx. Probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe a Coles. Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll have you know, I had my entire, like, almost all of my wardrobe from the years 2000 through 2005 were bought in a single trip to a cold in <laughs> Roxborough in Philadelphia. Nice. <laughs> it's like, I had, I got paid, I had a payday, and I was in a Coles, and I'm like, I really like all of these plaid button-down shirts you have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all you need. I've been uh, I've been doing my clothes shopping from this uh, online store that I th- think is tailored for senior citizen men. Oh, uh, and I was just showing Mike. I I ordered this T-shirt. I thought it was a plain white T-shirt for two dollars, but I get it in the mail and it's uh, a plain white T-shirt. It's nice, but it's uh, has ribbed uh, elastic at the bottom like a sweatshirt. What? It's very strange. It's, it's really so weird. weird. It's definitely an old guy uh, shirt. And I bought a plaid shirt from there uh, that I thought was just like a normal plaid kind of flannel shirt, which I'm wearing right now. Uh, but it turns out it's actually kind of made of like fleece, like pajama pants. But it's a but it's oh, a button okay. up plaid shirt. So I could send you the right. link if you need some new clothes for eight dollars. Please do. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So let me let me ask you guys. Uh, what, uh, ask you guys something. Are you you're doing like a twenty four hour thing for your your station? Uh. Yeah. Well, not for the, no one asked us to do this, and it was a bad idea. <laughs> okay. So all right. we okay. uh we were thinking, hey, we should do here. Okay. So first of all, we rec- we pre record our radio show for this local community station, great station, WFHB. It airs every other Sunday night from one to three a.m. We decided. Uh, hey, let's uh, record a few shows at once on a Saturday afternoon. Have a bunch of people call in, come by, whatever. And then that turned into, uh, let's just do a 24-hour marathon show uh, for no good reason. Uh, And then have those air every two weeks. Uh, So it's not going to air as a (laughs) 24-hour bit. It's It'll unfold over uh, six months. Uh, The the (laughs) bad thing is I feel like the ones in the middle from like 2 to to 4 a.m., or just us being like, oh boy, what have we done? Right. <laughs> this is bad. Uh, so I also we have a feeling there's more of those coming. We have to go until <laughs> six tonight. Yeah. So. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I was wondering if you gotten, um, if you had permission from John Solomon of PRB 
to do a 24-hour thing. Yeah, I, I actually I have it in my notes to uh, to try to give him a call later and get permission or forgiveness. <laughs> I guess at this point, <laughs> it, I, I, I think we're I think we're safe because ours will be released in serial. We're not uh, we're not stepping on yeah. his toes in right. uh, in trying to uh, keep up with him because how could you? You know. Yeah. Right, right, right. And you're not doing any Christmas songs. Right. No. Right, right. His thing is in, insanity. I can't believe how. I, I did. You guys get to meet him when you're out east. I've did only interacted with him online, actually. Yeah, we we tried to meet up at uh, on the way back through around Princeton, but it it didn't right. work out with our our times. We were both going to be around there. Right. So yeah, so, just so, uh, just talk to him uh, on emails and stuff like that, but never met in person so, yet. Yeah, he, he's he's the he's like the great he's like the greatest dude. Like he's he's yeah. the best. And I I grew up like, like I did I grew up outside of Princeton's radio range, so I didn't know about it um, until. But then when I went to college, um, you like you know, like Princeton's like halfway between like it's like half a New York suburb, half a Philly suburb, yeah, kind of thing, and. Um, so the Princeton radio station was always was kind of like like a um, like I had WFMU in my backyard. So if you were outside of the WFMU radius and you live like kind of closer to Princeton, like Princeton was your weirdo station. Mm-hmm. So I had friends who were always like who talked about like the Christmas marathon and it would get written about in like the like the alternative weekly here. So I remember hearing about it and then just um, you know like listening to it like years later and then all of a sudden like i'm like you know like now i'm like pretty good like i'm good friends with john and everything and it's like it's just like really crazy how that thing how he does it every year yeah like this I, will be like 26 I, years now something like that that so many yeah wow. yeah wow. they started doing when he was in high school okay yeah that's cool yeah it's really cool and um i i don't even know where he get like like he's like explain to me where he gets some of the songs from and i'm like like i what like how do you like he's like had to actively search out like weird like m- like misfits cover bands to do like a, <laughs> like a misfits christmas song and stuff like that it's like wow <laughs> it's yeah. really really entertaining yeah it's like the most entertaining show there is Greg, uh, we are actually out of time on this episode, yes. so I'll let you get back to all the stuff you got going on today. Uh, thanks I'm for going calling back in. To sleep. Okay, great. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in. It's great to catch up. And uh, you guys are the best. You're the best. Hopefully, we'll uh, see you in 2019. Yeah, we'll get out there soon. We'll see. I'll and see you, you come soon. to Bloomington. Yeah, we'll treat you I real will, good. I want to. I want to. I'll yeah. figure it out. That'd yeah. be great. All right. All right, cool. thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Yep. Thanks, Greg. Bye. See you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that's another episode of Unspoken Requests with Jared and Mike. We did it. Now we just have four more to go. That's right. <laughs> we'll see you in two <laughs> weeks, everybody. That was financial guru Greg Gethard. Google financial guru Greg Gethard. And you can find some stuff about him. Uh, check him out on Instagram. He does some great Monday motivational videos to get you going. I love his motivational yeah. videos. They're so good. I look forward to them. Those are good. We're going to leave you here with a field recording from Yellowstone. Put out on the Usonian label by our friends. Thanks for tuning in.